CR101radio.com, podcasts, and more. Pioneers. I am your host, Jeremy Walker. You can follow us on our parent network, CR101 Radio, on social media such as Facebook, Twitter, Gab, and YouTube. And you can subscribe to this podcast on your preferred platform so you never miss an episode. Visit cr101radio.com forward slash preschool pioneers for these links. Uh, welcome back, guys. We are on another episode here of Preschool Pioneers. I want to thank you for joining me again. And this episode is entitled X is for Xerox. Monkey see, monkey do is more than just a funny saying. It is how children learn about the real world. Today on this episode, we are going to be talking about a couple topics. We're talking about the deliberate molding of students into copies of their teachers. We're going to talk about the short time span related to influencing the lives of children. Some disturbing topics about middle and high school students that are now taunting and even physically fighting with teachers. The disturbing designation that I recently found out about calling children, quote, mature minors, unquote, And then, of course, some developments in Canada that I just learned about, about dying with dignity, Canada, and medical assistance in dying. Well, preschool pioneers, here we have a passion for children and education. And the main thrust and focus here is for parents and teachers that are Christians to get involved. That is the main thrust of this podcast. If you are a parent, we hope to inspire you to do your job as a Christian parent. If you are a Christian teacher, we hope to inspire you to get out there each and every day, make the most of it, and the opportunities you get to be part of these children's lives. I want to start by, of course, the question we always ask, why Christians should become teachers? And we kind of go in over every episode asking that same question because people, for some reason, don't seem to think that Christian teachers or Christian parents are that important. Well, our enemies couldn't disagree with you more. Christian parent, you are the most valuable influence in that child's life and will always be the most valuable person in that child's life as far as influence is concerned. Anybody who tells you differently is lying. And two, as Christian teachers, we can never underestimate how powerful our influence is over children, especially very young children. I want to start with our first passage, Luke six thirty nine through 40. Quote, And he spake a parable unto them, Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but every one that is perfect shall be as his master, unquote. And of course, right here, this is talking about the goal of teaching is to turn students into copies of the teacher. Now, that can be in a lots of different ways, but let's take it from a parental perspective. You are going to be instilling into those children, first of all, 
your religious values, and we all have them. Even the people that claim not to have them, have them. If you want a great, wonderful example of what we're talking about, I'm sure you've seen social media and the news where these parents that are of the new persuasion that men can change what they are to be women, women can change what they are to be men, little boys and girls can decide that they're not little boys and girls. These parents, these parents who have this ideology, this religious belief, are convincing their children that they believe this too and are convincing their children as young as two and three that they're really not what they are. They're doing this on purpose. This is the opposite of what a parent should be doing. But they are deliberate. They understand how important it is. They understand how influential the parent is over the child. The parent-child dynamic is unlike any other in the world. And if you look at that movement, you can see it. But don't just sit there and complain about it. Don't just sit there and point fingers at what you're not supposed to do. Christian parents and Christian teachers, we should have the same type of convictions, the same types of motivations, but we're benefiting our child instead of lying to our child. We are helping our child thrive and grow into what the adult they're supposed to be, not trying to fool the child to become something that we want them to be. And that's the difference. See, they have for so long talked to Christians and talked to Christians and talked to Christians because they're afraid to say that they're teaching their children to be Christians. But of course we are. And they're teaching their children not to be Christians. Everything that is the antithesis of what Christianity is or what the God of the Bible would teach. They are trying to make copies of themselves. This is instinctual. This is natural. You cannot avoid it. I just shared the biblical passage which explains this. When you are perfect or mature or completed at the end of your training, you can't help but be a copy of your instructor. Look at your life, whoever you are, from whatever walk of life you've come. Look at all those people who influenced you, especially your parents, your mannerisms, your culture, your everything. Every little quirk that you have, every little thing that you do, you can trace that back to somebody. I grew up very much in a Southern-type culture, and I have the Southern-type culture background. We had things in our home that were very particular things, like as a boy, I was trained you were not supposed to leave the toilet seat up. Toilet seat always goes down. And to this day, because my parents, specifically my mother, was so staunch about that, to me, to this day, that is something that is ingrained in me. And so many other things that you find to be habits. Another one that I would say is ingrained in me from the time I was a child, chewing with your mouth closed. Now, these things might seem small, but they're not. These are now habits that are deeply ingrained into me. And it goes well beyond that into all the moral subjects and your ideals, the way you see the world, Everything comes from who is teaching you, period. And you are want, you're going to be like the people that teach you. This is why it's so important to be very careful, number one, 
who you allow to teach you because you're going to be listening to this person. And if, especially if you're older and you've made the decision, you're wanting to become like somebody. So be careful who you want to become like. Two, as parents, we have to remember who we give our children to matters. You cannot take your children to government schools who are deliberately teaching against the values that you want taught, if that's the case. I mean, you might be perfectly happy as a parent that what the government schools currently are teaching is what you want to be taught to your child. And if that's the case, then perhaps those schools are right for you. But for a Christian who wants Christian values, Christian morality, Christian truth taught to their children, those schools are not an option for you. They are deliberately teaching everything the opposite of what your goals should be. And if you don't know that that's the case, that's part of the problem. And that's part of what this podcast is about, to kind of wake you up. Your children only get one childhood. You get one shot at it as the parent. You do. And let's stop this stuff that there are only good parents out there. And there's no bad parents out there. There's only successful parents out there. There's no failed parenting attempts out there. Let's just get rid of that. It's kind of like Mother's Day. Celebrating mothers, all mothers, all mothers are worthy to be celebrated. Really? There aren't any bad, terrible, failed motherhoods out there. Fathers, all fathers should be celebrated and honored and cherished because they did a wonderful job. No, we don't celebrate all fathers. We celebrate successful parenting, successful fathers, successful mothers, and children. Do we, you know, accept everything? Every child is a good child and had a, they raised properly and they grew up exactly the way that they should. And there weren't any that rebelled. There weren't any that did a terrible job. There weren't any children out there that are failures. Uh, and it wouldn't necessarily mean it's the parents' failure, but by their own choices as they grew up. But you get one opportunity, one opportunity. Be careful how you influence your children. Make sure, if you're a Christian parent, that you are trying your best to show them Christian character and then to expect that of them. Be careful who you give your children to because those teachers will attempt to turn your children into copies of them. And you should be doing the same. Whoever you teach, if you're a Christian and you know you're trying to benefit this child by giving them the truth, you should be trying deliberately to make copies of them from you. All the good stuff, not the bad stuff, but all the good stuff that you want to instill into them. See, as Christians, we should also know what not to instill. And as a parent, your failures, maybe even childhood or in adulthood, are not the things you're going to promote Those are things you're going to warn about because you know where you failed. And you're trying to benefit them. But it's got to be cognitive. But it is going to happen. As parents and teachers, we must understand this. The next aspect I want to touch on and why Christians should become teachers is found in Proverbs 19, 18. Quote, Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Unquote. This has to talk about 
the short span of time that there is to mold child's behavior, worldview, and especially moral standards. There is a short opportunity. Now, there are other opportunities, but generally speaking, even non-Christians understand that children that are young, between the ages of zero to, let's say, six to ten maybe, maybe even lower, but they get a sense for who they are, how they're supposed to act, what is okay, what the world is, how they're supposed to interact with it, and then what are the standards that they're supposed to have internally ingrained into them. And as a parent, you don't get much time. You just don't get it. You can't come in later on once the children that you have have been given to somebody else, deliberately, most likely by you as the parent, who maybe didn't do your job properly. You can't come back later and complain and say it's the schools that are the problem. Well, if the schools are the problem, why is your child there? How is that their problem? In America today, we don't have compulsory education where you have no other choices. There are other choices. Some of them are very difficult. Some families will find it nigh impossible to, in any way, form, or fashion, find an alternative way to educate their children besides putting them into government schools. Now, I won't allow and say that that's not where a person's in a situation that probably 99% of the reasons why people are in those situations is because of tons and tons of decisions they've made for themselves that have made them into potentially a single parent. Now, it's not to bash that, but you have to see the facts as they are before you're going to be able to correct them. And so you might be in a very tough situation and it'd be very difficult to avoid this. But if we tried, can you imagine for a second, if we tried to establish godly families, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, all with a good relationship, a family unit, a family connection where the whole family, instead of fighting, is actually working together. Could you imagine that and how that would work? Wouldn't you see the support system that is there? The support system but doesn't make you into a person who says, I have no choice? See, reconstructing society, reconstructing families, reconstructing individuals does take time. It's not a one-stop shop. I know that people like to bash and like to just, you know, here's the silver bullet. Do this and the whole world will be okay. Well, it's not the way it works. You know, things that have been deconstructed and destroyed, bad parenting, bad family life, bad husbands, bad wives, bad children, all these things take time to correct. It's not an overnight type of thing. When you dig a hole as deep as many people have or as cultures, especially American culture, when you dig the hole so deep, it's very difficult to climb out. But you can. You can climb out. See, that's the wonderful thing of the Christian message. We are not victims. We are overcomers. Our faith, our Christian values, everything that we do helps us grow and climb out of the mud, out of the pit that we may have put ourselves into. But you can't blame somebody else. The blame must be squarely on your own shoulders. And then when you see that, you can then work towards 
the answers to fix the problems that you might be in. But your children, you get one shot at it. So many parents want their child to be their friend. But I met a person, and I talked to them before, and she was having problems with her young son. And she had the impression that she wanted her child to see her as a friend. And because that for her, she thought was important to be, you know, to have his heart and to to really make an emotional connection that he needed a friend and mommy. And I said, the problem is, is that he does see you as a friend. He doesn't see you as an authority figure, somebody who's going to tell him what to do. But that's what he does need. He does need that. He's going to have lots of friends, but he's only going to have one mother, one father. Don't for a second bring that privileged position of parenthood down to the very generic general concept of friend. Friends that come and go. The friends aren't going to be there when you need them. They're not going to be there to take care of you, to feed you, to give you everything that you need to support you when you need the most support. It's your family. And that's why Christian families are super important. Christian fathers and Christian mothers raising Christian children. Having the influence, exerting influence while you can. Because if you give that up, if you wait too long, I've used a new word, which is an old word. Retard. Retard means to to break, to hinder, to restrain, to dilute. Lots of different terminologies for it. And you retard your child's development emotionally, spiritually, physically, societally, everything. You completely disturb and destroy their worldview on how they're going to act, their head start in the world. Because if you give them the impression that everything is chaos and chance, that you're not really the authority figure, they don't really have to listen to you, there aren't really any rules out there beyond themselves, then when the real world catches up with them, they're going to say, why is the world this way? This isn't what my parents taught me, showed me. And so you are then going to be at fault for having retarded your children's maturity. They are not what they could have been. And it is your fault. Because you only have a short time to get it right. And then a lifetime to maintain. Because it's not like it's a one-stop shop kind of thing. It is a lifetime guidance what parents become. When they're young, they have a very direct authority over their children. Where the children have to listen to them and do what they say. As they get older, however, they become more guides. As they get older, we call it adulthood. And children are then going to have to leave the home, start their own families, and hopefully take your guidance as they go. But in the end, their choices are theirs. Their decisions are theirs. And do you want to see them making positive choices because you were a positive influence? Or do you want to sit the rest of your life seeing your children fail repeatedly again and again and again? And you're not going to be able to help but look at it and say, that's my fault. I failed. We need, if you're listening to this and you're a Christian parent or a Christian teacher that don't want to look back with failure in mind, but success, then you are going to have to use the time you have to deliberately influence these children towards the godly path so they can succeed on their own 
years after you are gone. I want to move on now from our first part, which is why Christians should become teachers. And I want to now jump into just some minor things that I thought were very disturbing and trends that are like really strange and messed up that are in our culture, in our world. And first thing I want to talk about is this thing about children who are now openly insulting their teachers and parents on top of that and getting physical with them, fighting with them. You see them on social media. I've seen recently two videos I can think of. of had to be about middle school or high school students. And these students, they were standing in the faces, standing up to them, challenging the teacher as if it was some peer that they were rivaling with. A brother, a sister, a friend, an enemy. Calling them names, insulting them, challenging them. And everything they do. One of the videos they even had the young man was throwing the man's stuff off of his desk and even flipping his desk at one point, waiting to get a reaction from the teacher. They wanted the teacher to react so then they could then get physical with the teacher. And every time that's what you watch for, watching the videos, they will be insulting, they will do everything in their power to taunt, to taunt, to taunt, to press, to press, to press. And eventually when the teacher says, that's enough, then come out the fist, the shoving, the blows. There was even one video that I remember where it was a teacher hadn't even done that. She'd taken a Switch, a game console, from one of these middle school students who then left the classroom to go to the office to put it in the office for safekeeping. And the student chases the teacher down the hallway, hits her, knocks her down to the ground, not moving, and then begins to kick her in the face, the stomach, and the back until finally somebody tackles the kid to the ground. And in every video where they get these uh, fights, people have to eventually tackle the students to the ground, but the student is not going to stop. They would kill their teachers if allowed. I've seen firsthand, even with younger children, not middle school and high school students, but preschool age, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years old, and these children not only will scream and yell at their parents, but then will also get physical. Recently, I had a six-year-old doing the same thing over a little box of juice that mommy opened up the juice box in the office and didn't open the juice box up in the car. And so the child demanded a new juice box must be purchased, one that could be opened only in the car. When the parent refused and chaos ensued, the child eventually went to striking his mother in the face, back, and chest. I had to intervene, a six-year-old doing this. After being restrained temporarily, the child then took the backpack and began to strike the parent in the head with the backpack. See, these things start young. They don't get better. The middle school and high school children, that's not when it started. It started back when they were six. It started back when they were five or four or three or two when the child is biting people and their parents. If you want to stop the terrible things later on in life, you have to fix it early on. If not, you miss your opportunity. And it's not society's fault, though they do play a part. But it is the teacher's fault, and primarily, primarily, 
It is the problem and fault of parents. We can never wake up and say it wasn't me. Yes, it was you. And maybe if we did, maybe if we stopped all the celebrating of every father and every mother and looking at ourselves and say, I don't deserve to be celebrated unless I do a good job. Doesn't mean you don't deserve honor. Because even terrible parents still, according to God, do get honor. However, it doesn't mean they're celebrated. Celebrated as if they were the best parents in the world. If your parent is a thief and a liar, if a parent did terrible things like put you into schools that are going to teach you all kinds of terrible things and messed up how you see the world, that's not something you can look back at and say, well, I'm glad that my parent did that. And if the parent can't say that, if we can't say that, I can't say that, if we can't see our own failures, we can never move forward. Children are going to be copies of us, and we have short periods of time to make a big difference. And the last two things I want to touch on here before we close up this episode are two very disturbing concepts that apparently were happening in Canada, have not yet made it to America, but I think is coming quick. One was the concept of children, young children, being designated as, quote, mature minors. Now, this was in relation to medical decisions that children can make. Here in America, I have seen this concept, not that label, but the concept in the medical realm in places like California, and I think there was another state, maybe Michigan, where children over the age of 13 actually had the final say in their medical decisions. If a parent had a child who was the age of 13 or 14 who had made a medical decision for themselves, they could keep that secret from their parent. That's right. You heard me right. From the parent. So our culture here in America does not want children protected by their parent. One of the first things you do if you want to get a child to be vulnerable and you want to exploit them in lots of different ways, usually it goes to sexual eventually. But if you want to exploit a child, you will then make them alone. Let them make their own decisions. And because of their immaturity, because of their inexperience and foolishness, you can get a child to make all kinds of choices and fool them easily, but you can't a parent. The communists used to have a saying, never trust anybody over the age of 30. It's because people who are over the age of 30 aren't easily fooled. People over the age of 30 typically are going to be more conservative in their political views, generally speaking. People that are younger are much more easily fooled by wild ideas that aren't true and easily tricked into following things that are not true. And so this is why most people go after the young in their ideals where political stuff is concerned, to get them turned into rebels and follow ideas like communism and socialism as if they are good ideas. When we have facts that they have killed over 100 million people worldwide within the last 100 years. 100 million people killed, murdered worldwide due to such political ideals. And yet people are said, well, it's, it's a good thing. And our youth are told, let's follow it. Let's all be equal. They leave out the fact that they're going to kill everybody who doesn't agree with them. But young people can be fooled, and that's why they separate them from their parents. Here in America, we're also getting the idea of 
getting children for affirming medical care, gender-affirming medical care, where we're letting children make decisions about chopping off body parts that won't grow back, and once again using the word retard or destroy their growth. Their growth and how the child grows. They're like, oh, it can be reversible. It's not reversible. But the child is foolish and experienced and is being taken advantage of, which is why people want the concept of mature minors. And it's coming real quick here in America today where they're also going to be going after the idea of getting children under the age of 18 and saying they can consent sexually if they want to. After all, they're medically, they can already make decisions for themselves apart from their parents. So why can't they consent sexually as well? These are a bunch of grooming pedophiles, the vast majority of them. They don't use the word anymore because it sounds dirty. Well, it is dirty. These people are perverts. And they're coming, as they even said in a song recently, we're coming for your children. And it's your job to make sure that they don't get them. But are you giving them to them willingly? 99% of the people are usually in public schools, and these public schools are taking advantage of your children. They are trying to make them mature minors and take advantage of them, separate you from your children. Because why? They want to make your children into them. That's what they want. They do. They want to be the teachers. They want to be the parent. They want to separate these children from any Christian influence at all. And part of that was that the last two topics was Dying with Dignity Canada. It's been around since apparently the 1980s. And they've changed it to a new term, uh, MAID, M-A-I-D, Medical Assistance in Dying. So they want to be able to have it be okay that people that want to die can ask doctors to murder them. And they want to, once again, with the concept of mature minors, they want children, children, to be able to go talk to a counselor or a doctor and then decide to have the doctors in the medical field murder them. Murder them. If it couldn't get any worse, they now want to be able to convince children to allow people to murder them and it be an okay thing. Do you think it's going to work? I bet it does. Because everything else has worked. They are very good at knowing what they want, the enemies of Christianity and God. But the people of God have to wake up. Christian parent, you have to wake up. Christian teacher, you have to wake up. Know what you are battling for, the very soul and body and futures of these children. Will you leave them to your enemies? Will you give them to your enemies? Or are you going to help them, train them, and ready them For the world that is out there. See, right now, you can see battles that are lost. And they are being lost from here and from there. But as Christians, we know that the war, the war is going to be ours. God is on the throne. It is finished, he said. All power is mine in heaven and earth. And then gave us our call to go and teach all nations, to disciple them. That is our job. It's the highest calling you can have. And that's why Christian education, besides being a Christian parent, is one of the highest callings that you can ever have. 
don't fail. Don't fail to do your job. Don't be caught with regret. Don't be a person who looks back on your life, the time you had with your child, the time you had with your students, and say, I really failed. Be a success. Be a victor. Overcome the world with your faith and put it into practice in your home and in your classroom. Thank you for joining me. This is Jeremy Walker. God bless.